the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's a fact. If the riches of the wealthy were given to the average American, the rich would have their wealth back in no time at all. Not because they're more deserved, but because they do a really great job of getting us to spend it back to them. And once it's in their hands, they work it to their self-interest. The host of Get Rich Slow, Jim McAleese, believes the financial decisions you make today will guide your financial destiny tomorrow. Jim teaches you to plan for the worst and then hope for the best. America is under no obligation to provide what you need. Entitlements are out. Opportunity is today's watchword. Money matters can be intimidating, but they don't have to be. So let's supercharge your wealth building plan now with Jim McAleese. Welcome to Get Rich Slow. This is your money school for financial winners. Here, we explore strategies to help you prosper. We look at the big picture and then develop plans, plans to help guide our families to meet their financial goals. Get Rich Slow gives you solid financial strategies, strategies that will help improve your financial life. If you want the truth, not the hype, please join us for the next hour for Get Rich Slow. I'm Jim McAleese, Certified Financial Planner and President of Cornerstone Consultants Incorporated, where securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group Incorporated, which is a member of FINRA and Civic. Cornerstone Consultants is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group. Well, good morning. Welcome to spring in Northeast Ohio. Right now, at my location, the sun is out. It's absolutely beautiful. That doesn't say that (laughs) we might get rained out in a little while, but who knows? One day, the temperatures are climbing upwards, and the sun is shining brightly. The next day, it's cloudy and colder, and then warmer, and then rain, and maybe we'll have some snow. But we know from experience that this is normal weather for March and Northeast Ohio. We have to be patient and remember this is normal and that March and April are basically transitional months between old man winter and the full beauty of spring. As I was walking in the cold, windy rain one day last week, I remember about what a man said on television a long time ago. He said that March winds woke up the plants and the trees and that April showers gave them their breakfast. Remembering that, it says, saying seemed to give the weather a purpose. While the trees are still bare, I have been watching the green shoots coming off uh, this week. Some of the daffodils and the crocuses 
are actually blooming. Not all of them. You know, most of them are just shoots, but it's a beginning. The daffodils in bloom always bring a smile to our faces. Something about them seems to be saying, welcome, welcome, it's springtime. It's still too wet to get much done in the backyard, but when the weather warms up, we'll all be spending more time outside. But today, let's look at how the economy and our investments are doing. Uh, Tuesday and Wednesday of the last week, the Federal Reserve officials met in the Federal Open Market Committee meeting. And uh, at that meeting, they unanimously raised the federal funds rate one quarter of a percent to between uh, four and three quarters and five percent. So, uh, you know, they, they try to keep it in the middle of that or uh, have a midpoint of uh, close to four and seven eighths percent. Chairman Powell also uh, referenced the banking problems involving uh, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank, et cetera. And he mentioned the possible consequences. Uh, the recent, he quote, the recent developments are likely to result in tighter credit conditions for households and businesses. And the way on you know, these developments are going to weigh on economic activity, hiring, and inflation. The extent of these uh, effects is uncertain, but uh, the idea here is that the tighter credit arising from the ongoing uh, banking crisis is a new wild card for the economic outlook, uh, potentially slowing growth and maybe even easing the necessity for future tightening of monetary policy. So at least that's the view of the Federal Reserve. But as they said, we'll see what happens. Chairman Powell didn't get into the details of the Silicon Valley Bank uh, uh, run on uh, Wednesday. But, uh, quote, the question we were all asking ourselves over that first week was, how did this happen? On March 8th, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank were both, according to public disclosure, quote, well capitalized. The optimum level of health by the uh, federal regulatory standards. Days later, both failed. Uh, interviews with past and current regulators and examiners and uh, uh, banks, bankers and people close to the failed banks point to a combination of uh, fast shifts in the economy, plus regulators who uh, move too slowly. In other words, basically the the depositors, they're moving fast with their smartphones and their apps, and that allows them to uh, make the deposit transfers quickly. The banks are moving fast, but not fast enough. And the bank regulators, they're basically the slowest uh, part of of this team. So uh, they're slow in recognizing and solving problems. And I think uh, that's what uh, uh, Powell was referring to. It'll have to pick, they'll have to pick up their pace. Uh, you know, as basically as interest rates surged in 2022, after years of calm, uh, regulators didn't fully anticipate the hit that banks would take in the value of their bonds. Uh, the Fed, as late as mid-2021, 
expected the era of ultra-low rates, uh, interest rates, to continue. Not until late 2022, when rates had already risen substantially, did regulators warn uh, SBD, (laughs) Silicon Valley Bank, that its modeling of interest rate risk was inadequate. So if you recall last year, what happened was that the Federal Reserve began raising rates, interest rates, but they started from a very low level. So uh, even though they raised them close to 5% last year, uh, uh, by the middle of the summer, it was only probably up to uh, 2 or 3%. They were moving from almost zero at the start of the year. And finally, by uh, the fall, late fall, they finally got up to the point where uh, the interest rates were, uh, well, they, they were, they had some bite to them at that time. They were getting up there. And uh, a second factor was a failure to appreciate the danger in the bank's dependency on deposits above the uh, federal insurance limits of $250,000. So uh, banks had, co- had come to depend more on these big deposits and regulators acknowledged that they didn't stress such concerns because the big deposits were from the uh, from the Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank uh, core customers, who it was thought would uh, uh, stick around. Uh, if you take a look at the Silicon Valley Bank, ninety uh, percent of their deposits were in the uninsured category. Uh, by Uninsured category had been more than uh, $250,000. And finally, the deposits fled faster than had ever happened before, aided both by the social media fear and by technology that allowed people to move vast sums with a few taps on the smartphone. Uh, another factor was the nature of supervision uh, had changed. Uh, becoming more bureaucratic and process-oriented. Just when uh, banks were moving faster, the regulators were moving slower. Examiners raised problems with the Silicon Valley Bank, but didn't escalate their concerns to formal enforcement actions before the run began. So we'll talk about uh, the details uh, of this uh, later in the show, but... uh, what you're seeing is that uh, this concept of uh, guaranteeing uh, the deposit, uh, that's still an open question that uh, we're going to have to uh, uh, get squared away. We've got conflicting stories from the treasurer, or the uh, secretary of the treasury as to what um, what banks are really covered, what deposits are really covered. Now, the deposits certainly for the banks that have have folded, they were certainly covered. Both the FDIC covered the uh, ones, the deposits for less than $250,000 and the the, uh, Federal Reserve has stepped up with a facility to cover the uh, more than 250000 We'll talk about that later in, 
in the show, too. Well, this week, uh, we also saw good news from the uh, National Association of Realtors. They reported on existing home sales in February, and it was good news for the buyers, the sellers, and the realtors in a sense that existing home sales jumped 14.5% in February, and that ended a 12-month streak of declines. And that's good news for the start of the home buying season. And uh, uh, what you're seeing is that uh, 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 this represents the largest monthly percentage increase since July of 2020. At that time, it had jumped up, uh, monthly jumped of 22.5%. But uh, that's sort of good news for a jump in one month, and that's for February. But still, home sales in February are down 22.6% from uh, February a year ago. So, uh, and the median price, uh, home price, uh, seems to have uh, uh, reached a plateau, and it's approximately the same uh, in uh, February as it was in February a year ago. So, in fact, it, it came down a little bit. The median existing home sales price decreased two-tenths of 1% from the previous year to $363,000. So, but the supply of... Uh, of uh, homes for sale is still tight. In other words, if I look at the number of inventory of unsold existing homes, that was the equivalent of about 2.6 months of supply at the current monthly uh, sales pace, which should be more like four or five months in a normal uh, environment. So we'll talk about the details of that later in the show today, too. But overall, what you saw in the in the uh, equities markets this week, global equities were generally positive this week. In the United States, the three major stock indices, the Dow Jones Industrial, the Standard & Poor 500, and the NASDAQ Composite, were all up for the week. And in the UK, the FTSE 100 was up, while in the European Union, uh, Germany's DAX, and the stock Europe 600 were both up for the week. So, and in addition, equities were also up in Asia. Uh, Japan's Nikkei 225 was up for the week, and in China, the, both the Shanghai Composite and the Hong Kong Hang were both up for the week. On Friday, the three major U.S. stock indices closed the week at the Dow Jones closed at. 32,237.53. So it was basically up uh, 1.18% for the week, although it's basically down 2.74% year to date. A standard of poor 500 was up 1.39% uh, for the week. And uh, let's see, what, what was the standard and poor 500. It was uh, 3,970.99, and that meant it was up 1.39% for the week and up 3.42% year-to-date. The NASDAQ 
uh, closed at 11,823.96. So it was up 1.66% for the week and up 12.97% year to date. So uh, all in all, uh, the markets have been going up and down depending upon what is happening in the banking sector. And uh, uh, if the news is good, then the and the uh, bond market moves and the stock market moves with it. So it's been up, down, up, down. So uh, hopefully they'll get it resolved. And, and hopefully we'll get this inflation under control. They seem to be moving in the, in the right direction now. Uh, listening to the, uh, uh, the summary of the Federal Open Market Committee meeting on uh, Wednesday, it sounded pretty good. So, uh, you know, in the big picture, we look at the uh, stock market and the bond market because basically that's where we have our investment. Uh, that's only part of our, uh, that's a significant part of our financial plan, but it's not the only part. The, the whole financial plan is basically uh, how, do we, how are we going to meet our goals as we go through life, our financial goals. We've got other goals in mind, too, but how are we going to meet our financial goals? And that includes uh, uh, the youngsters are looking for a car and an apartment. Uh, uh, they're thinking about uh, starting a family and having to go through all the questions about uh, uh, who's going to stay home for the for the. Uh, the uh, youngsters at the beginning of the family. So all these things are part of the, the financial plan and people have to worry about, make decisions about. And indeed, uh, uh, you have uh, the whole uh, family thing about the standards of living, which means the house, the cars, the uh, uh, where you, where are you going to live and how much is it going to cost? And, and allocating a certain portion of the paycheck for the immediate needs of the standard of living, but also uh, saving it and allocating it into different uh, streams of income to uh, help build up investments that will meet future uh, goals. If I know, uh, for instance, everybody knows they're going to retire uh, approximately when it is, a personal decision, but you do know it's going to be an approximately. You do have an idea of the costs involved in that. You have a pension that's great, and uh, you have Social Security uh, uh, that's great. Uh, then you have your nest egg, and uh, sitting down with a budget and going over what you're going to need uh, to go into retirement is basically. Uh, part of addressing that goal, and then you just the other goals are uh, educating the children and uh, uh, paying off the house and the other things that uh, uh, you run into as you go through life. And uh, to me, if you have the plan and you've identified your goals and you've addressed how to allocate your your income. Uh, to meet those goals in the future by investment and compound interest, 
then it's a matter of staying on top of the plan and and uh, modifying it as required. Uh, different things happen, accidents happen, unemployment, things of this nature. Uh, you try to take care of the um, unanticipated events with uh, insurance, be it uh, property and casualty insurance for the house to, uh, to replace the house if something happens, uh, to protect you against the lawsuits in terms of liability, in terms of uh, car accidents and things of this nature, and also life insurance. In other words, basically, uh, and you take a look at your uh, young people have a tremendous amount of uh, basically assets, but they're unrealized assets. They've got their youth, they've got their education, they've got uh, some experience, and they'll be working for the next 40 or 50 years. Uh, but they don't have a whole lot of realized assets. As we get older, uh, the uh, amount of realized assets increase, and sooner or later the house is paid for and the, the uh, children are educated and they're closing in on retirement. But when you're young, you do need that uh, life insurance in order to be able to protect you in case uh, something does happen and uh, who's going to carry or who's going to complete this uh, grand plan that. Uh, uh, redevelop. So uh, you have to put together your thinking and put together your plans and think about uh, how you're going to accomplish all those things. And having done that, that gives you a good roadmap as you proceed through life in terms of making decisions about uh, can I afford another house? Can I afford a vacation house? Can I afford a a boat and things of this nature, and you go back and take a look at your plan from the viewpoint of uh, what am I going to give up? In other words, there is that much slack in my plan that I can uh, uh, buy a vacation home, uh, and what does it take to keep up this vacation home, and what am I going to give up if that's an important in the present plan? What am I going to give up to? Uh, get that uh, plan or get that uh, house or get that boat or or things of this nature. So you've got a reference point uh, where you've allotted the money, the money is there, and now what are you going to spend it on? If you choose to spend it on something different than you originally thought, that's fine, but uh, it's something that gives you the ability to to uh, say, hey, I got to make a decision one way or the other, and you make the decision. So, uh, to me, we look at the big picture. We look and see what's happening in terms of the environment, the economic environment that we're in, and the economic environment that we're in is basically uh, the only bugaboo out there is this inflation and. Uh, uh, the question is how do we how do we get this inflation under control? And uh, the Federal Reserve is, is putting the brakes on the economy with their interest rates to try to get the inflation under control. And they're, they're being very transparent about uh, their problems in doing that. 
In other words, they thought they were uh, interest rates were doing the job, you know, and they did do the job with regard to home construction and uh, uh, home sales and things of this nature. Uh, they also did the job with regard to manufacturing. Both of those areas are slowing down. Anything that has any company that uh, has to borrow money uh, to, uh, you know, to expand or just to operate uh, feels the feels the pressure of these increased interest rates, and uh, uh, things are slowing down, but. Uh, people have done a lot, given up a lot during the COVID time time frame, and they do want to get back to having a having a good time. So they're looking at travel and taking a look at uh, 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 where are we going, and that's good for the hotels and the restaurants and the entertainment field. And that's where you're seeing uh, the the uh, emphasis on employment and inflation. So. How the Federal Reserve is going to get around that? Uh, they're, they're looking at increasing the interest rates even higher. Uh, some people are talking about getting it up into the six uh, percent uh, range of, uh, of the uh, interest rates. So, to me, it's a, it's a function of uh, um, the planning, looking at the big picture, looking at the small picture. And then determining just how uh, we're going to move forward and uh, uh, get things done. So keep track of your goals, write them down, put a cost estimate on them, put a time estimate on them, figure out how you're going to invest your money so that you can uh, make sure that the money is growing. to the point where you will be there in the future uh, when you really need the money in order to uh, attain your goals. So this is Jim McAleese. You you can give us a call over our toll-free number. It's 1-888-281-1110. That's 1-888-281-1110. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Colleen, producer of Get Rich Slow. Each week, we take calls from people just like you who have questions for our host, Jim McAleese. Oftentimes, however, Jim can't answer all your questions because of time restraints and the need for more detailed information. That's why we encourage you to call Cornerstones Consultants, Inc., the financial counseling service founded by Jim and Tama McAleese. Cornerstones Consultants, Inc. has helped thousands of clients get more for their money. Whether your financial goal is to avoid common investing mistakes, finding your next home, planning for retirement, finding the right mutual fund, or covering your assets with the right kind of insurance, Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. will guide you to wise financial choices. So call Cornerstone Consultants, Inc. for an appointment today. That number again, 440-647-2793. Now back to more Get Rich Slow with Jim Magalise.
Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. This is your host this morning, Jim McAleese. One of the things we started off with this morning was the Federal Reserve and their open market committee meeting. So uh, on Tuesday and Wednesday, the Federal Reserve met. They meet about every six weeks. And the next meeting will be, I think, May May 2nd or 3rd. It'll be Tuesday and Wednesday uh, at the start of May. And, uh, uh, you know, what they did on Wednesday, this past Wednesday, was the uh, Federal Reserve uh, talked about their decisions and they approved another one quarter of a percent increase uh, up until the, you know, before the meeting, they were talking about, well, is it wise to increase it at all because of the uh, the banking situation with regard to Silicon Valley and Signature, uh, or should we go for broke and say, hey, we got the, the economy is stronger than we thought it was going to be, so we're going to go for a half a percent, or they finally, I guess they finally decided, hey, let's split the difference, let's go for a quarter of a percent, so that's what they did. And uh, they also signaled that the banking system turmoil uh, uh, might end their uh, rate rising campaign sooner than seemed likely even two weeks ago. So this increase will bring the benchmark uh, federal funds rate to the range of between uh, 4.75% and 5%. And Chairman, uh, Federal Reserve Chairman Powell opened his press conference saying that the, uh, quote, serious difficulties at a small number of banks that emerged in recent days and uh, has been met in coordination with the U.S. Treasury and the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. You know, the combination took decisive action, including the establishment of of a special federal uh, reserve facility to boost liquidity in the financial system. And uh, he emphasized, Chairman Powell emphasized that, quote, all deposits are safe. And uh, Chairman Powell said that the U.S. banking system is sound and uh, and, resist- and resilient, uh, but the Federal Reserve needs to strengthen supervision and regulation of the financial sector after the collapse of of uh, several banks uh, last month, so uh, in the preceding month. So basically what you're seeing there is that, hey, it's obvious that uh, they had to step in with regard to those banks. Uh, there was uh, Silicon Valley, Signature, I don't know who else, but uh, I think that's the uh, there were several other banks, First National, First, Na- First Republic, I'm sorry, First Republic that yeah, is they're looking at uh, uh, to help. And uh, also with, the, with regard to this, uh, we didn't elaborate on it, but at the, at the uh, presentation after the meeting, this special facility that's been set up by the Federal Reserve uh, it allows the Federal Reserve to loan uh, or extend a loan uh, for a year to banks that come in with uh, U.S. Treasuries as collateral or mortgage-backed securities 
from Fannie or from Freddie. And uh, if they come in there and say, well, I'm going to have to take a loss if they sell these uh, government securities on the open market, uh, can I borrow money on them? This, this lending facility will loan them the money at par value. They come in with a million-dollar bond, treasury. Uh, they'll loan them a million dollars uh, for a year and uh, uh, without a discount. They're not, they're not charging them. Uh, and there's, there's really no, there's really no uh, downside as far as the Federal Reserve is concerned because basically the Federal Reserve has something like $8 trillion of bonds already on its balance sheet. And uh, uh, if the if if the loan does not work out, they get, the bank doesn't come back within a year and redeem their bond, then uh, the Federal Reserve will just put it aside and say, okay, how many years to, does this bond have to go before it matures? Uh, and they'll just hold on to it until it matures, and then they'll turn it back into the U.S. Treasury for the full amount of the bond. So there's no way that the Federal Reserve is going to take a loss and it basically what it does is save that particular bank from having to go out into uh, uh, a high interest environment and try to sell a, a bond with a low uh, interest coupon on it. So let's say uh, the, the case in the case in uh, point was uh, Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley uh, uh, loaded up on. Uh, treasuries and uh, and those are safe, safe as you can get. And but they bought them in the good times when interest rates were low. So they had, you know, let's say, you got a ten-year treasury with a coupon of uh, one one and a half percent, and uh, you're gonna you thought you were gonna hold this thing to maturity, uh, but now suddenly the, you've got all these people. Clamoring for their uh, withdrawals, uh, so now you have to sell it in an environment where the interest rates, the coupon on a uh, on a ten-year uh, treasury might be three and a half percent. So you're going to take a haircut on. You might uh, take a loss of uh, ten, maybe even more percent, ten to fifteen percent on that particular. Uh, bond. And that's basically what happened in the case of uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, they uh, they sold uh, over $20 billion worth of uh, U.S. treasuries to meet their withdrawal requirements. And uh, they had a loss of uh, over $2.4 billion, which, which was basically, which is basically the value of the bank. So uh, they were basically insolvent. Uh, so this new facility gives the the Federal Reserve the capability of uh, uh, helping a bank that does have treasuries that wants a a loan against those treasuries or mortgage-backed securities backed by the U.S. government. So uh, also, also the new summary of the economic projections, this is the, this is the dot plot uh, or the shot pattern, if you want to call it that, 
where each one of the 18 officials, they put up their ideas about what the federal funds rates are going to be this year, next year, year after, and longer term, and also what they think the inflation is going to be. And basically, it gives you an idea of the range. Uh, for instance, like uh, the the uh, range of numbers in the dot plot for the federal funds rate for this year ranges anywhere from 4.9 to 5.9. That's uh, a pretty big range in case of where they think inflation is going to be in terms of the personal consumption expenditure. The range ranges anywhere from 2.8 to 4.1. Now, if you say, hey, I don't want the full range of these dots. I just want the median number. Well, the median number for the federal funds rate is 5.1%, uh, which would be uh, something akin to uh, uh, the federal funds rate between 5% and 5.25%. And, and the um, where would the inflation be according to the personal consumption expenditure? It would be around 3.3%. So there's a large, when these guys, these people are talking, uh, in terms of numbers that come out, the median numbers come out, but the discussions have a wide range of opinions as to people where I think people think things are going to be. Uh, let's take a second and go to our phones. Hello, can I, this is Jim Ackley. Can I help you? Good morning, Mr. Beckley. I need your vaccination for me to, you know, banks have stress tests, and sometimes people have to vent. That's another expression. And I'm just curious. I don't want to go 180 degrees. I'm just trying to figure out uh, e-commerce, Walmart paid all, you know, premium to get a company. Now they're laying off people. And Zuckerberg spent $20 billion on Meta. They even changed the logo. They're getting rid of it quietly. And of course, uh -oh. uh, uh, you know, uh, hold on, John. Hold on. I, lo I lost you. I lost you, your train of thought there. Go ahead. Uh, the uh, last the, 30 the, seconds. It looks like not only artificial intelligence, artificial stupidity is also coming in the air. Well, lately, at my age, 87, I'm lucky I'm not in a wheelchair in a nursing home. I'm just <laughs> wondering uh, see, these banks, some of them, when the stock is down, they can pay some premium and buy. That's an opportunity. After all, they had to. Mm -hmm. something for the PIC to replenish the money. So what goes up must come down, and that's gravity. I have no idea why, you know, it's a catch-22, and Jimmy Stewart movie also to some degree. Uh, I'm not a negative type of thing, but I'm trying to figure out, when do we learn the hard way? Santa Ana, history repeats itself, 2008, nobody, you know, nobody saw yeah. any yellow, yellow jacket, you know? or See, it's sad. Mm -hmm. Capitalism is the best thing ever happened. Unfortunately, that's what we don't even teach that how to balance the checking account at the high school. And now all these big shots go there. Now they want to get to the, the consumer financing because the funding is come from Federal Reserve. So they're finding an excuse mm -hmm. to get to that. They're going all the way to the Supreme Court. I'm not well, the, negative. He, at my age, I told you, I'm lucky I'm not in a wheelchair in a nursing home. My mind works. <laughs> my body, of course, is not extended warranty in parts and labor. It's uh, yeah. I know that. No, no, no. Hold on, John. They can buy some of these battered stocks 
uh, pay premium and buy them out. Then, of course, they can close down the buildings and go to ATM only. Then, of course, they're uh-huh. no, not even a barcode anymore. There is no more barcode. Yeah. Uh, so, well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of a advocate today. What, what you have there, what you have nowadays, is the Federal Reserve is is part of the, the solution to the problem. The FDIC is part of the solution to the problem. And the Treasury Department is part of the solution to the problem. So what happens is that, you're right, in terms of uh, a bank failure, uh, in the case of uh, Silicon Valley, uh, uh, a bank sets aside a certain amount of money in cash uh, for uh, to meet its withdrawal, uh, with its expecting withdrawal, and then it sets another part of its uh, reserves in uh, it, these these bonds. We don't intend to uh, cash them to meet uh, re- to meet withdrawals. We intend to uh, cash them at their maturity. And there's another set of bonds that they have marked to market. So one set of bonds is marked to market. One set of bonds is marked to maturity. And uh, the mark to maturity doesn't get marked down, uh, depending on you know depending upon the interest rate at the time. So what you got yeah, one, uh, one last is, comment. You you can make a comment on this. In the old days, we used to have hedge fund, at least they have a mission statement. Now they're saying, mission statement, don't ask, no due diligence, give me your money. Bye-bye. If I hug you, I'm bringing you a big pocket. How is that? <laughs> you know the hedge funds I'm talking about. Well, it, to me, if you allow the, the bank uh, to just say, okay, we're going to... Uh, 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 let the bank fold up, and uh, uh, you saw that in, in uh, 1929, where uh, the Federal Reserve did allow the banks to fold up, and uh, then the, the banks turned around and, and uh, said, "Hey, we're going out of business." So uh, we're right, right, lock they didn't the either. They had to jump and, out of the window. And, no, and also uh, they they went to their uh, uh, the farmers and the, and the uh, people who had the real estate and stuff like that, and say we're going to uh, call back our mortgages back in again. And they went to the um, uh, companies and they said we're calling our uh, loans back in again. And the whole thing was a tremendous mess, and that ended up in the Great Depression. So uh, yeah, that's all. I'm a believer in eternal optimism for capitalism. You know that. Yeah, I know. I know. Just but I had hey, to bring up some things to show, you know, somewhere along the way, uh, somebody had to cover your back too once in a while. Well, thank uh, you. I sh- I'm sh- I'm sure that uh, uh, everybody is looking at uh, what they can do in this in this situation in terms of protecting their money and protecting their banks. Thank you very much, John. Thank you. You have a good day now. Bye. Take care. Bye bye. So. Uh, one of the things we're seeing is that, uh, it, you know, it's difficult to tell uh, in the case of the banks, uh, it's difficult to tell whether they're, you know, it's, it's not, there is, the, the banks are solid and there's really no 
a danger to the banks. And that's basically in the big picture. The, they'll be saved by the uh, Federal Reserve or by the FDIC or by the U.S. Treasury. Uh, how it will happen, uh, there might be a difference of opinion right now. I think um, Janet Yellen, who's the Secretary of the Treasury, she indicated a couple of days ago that uh, they were going to extend this uh, this uh, protection for the uh, uh, the non-insured uh, uh, deposits. Uh, but then she ran into issues with regard to Congress as to, uh, hey, wait a second, you you are taking on too much uh, liabilities here. So then it became a case of us. Uh, she indicated that we're going to make sure that uh, Silicon Valley is taken care of, Signature is taken care of, and any other banks that, that get in trouble, we're going to take care of their uh, insured deposits. That's the 250000 insurance from FDIC. We're also going to take care of their uninsured deposits. But uh, in order to talk about uninsured deposits throughout the entire banking system, uh, you need to sit down with a lot of other people, i.e. Congress, and uh, get the okay on something like that before you can actually do it. So uh, there was a little confusion there. But let me go on with regard to uh, the uh, Chairman Powell's address or his press conference. He said that that deposit outlays have stabilized from the banks, stabilized over the past week. He also said, there's no reason to think that the problem that led to Silicon Valley Bank downfall are systemic, and they are not weaknesses that uh, you see throughout the banking system, that uh, this was a bank that was an outlier in terms of both its uh, percentage of uninsured deposits and in terms of how much it allocated its reserves in terms of uh, the maturity of the reserves. So uh, Chairman Powell said it was possible uh, banking turmoil would further tighten conditions, meaning that basically meaning that the regulators, once they start examining the banks, there's going to be uh, all the banks are going to be tightening up their lending, uh, meaning that there's going to be less of a need for the Federal Reserve to start raising the rates. So. He continued that the Federal Reserve had sharply boosted lending uh, to banks, including through a new facility with more generous terms to ease the fear. That's the new lending facility at the uh, Federal Reserve. So, uh, and uh, uh, let's go to our let's go to our our phones again. Hello, this is Jim McAlee. Can Hi. I help you this morning? Yes, yes. I've been uh, listening to commercials about. Uh, IRAs, and they said everybody knows how to contribute, but nobody knows the best way to withdraw. What's the best way to withdraw a Roth IRA if you decided that uh, you uh, no longer want it and you need to take the cash out all at once, monthly, yearly? Well, it depends upon your uh, uh, 
your plan. In other words, basically, you got the uh, wherever the money is at, be it in the bank or a mutual fund or a brokerage account, uh, that uh, financial institution will do whatever you want to do. Uh, uh, Now, is the Roth IRA taxable when you're taking it out? No, because you paid your taxes on the Roth originally when you uh, put it in there. But there are there are certain restrictions. If you put your money into a uh, Roth IRA, you have to pay the taxes on it. So the taxes are paid. That's a good right. point. But you also have to leave it in there for five years uh, before you touch it. Otherwise, there will be a penalty uh, oh, for it's taking been in it out before time. that five years. <laughs> okay. So there, there shouldn't be – it should be strictly up to you and to make a decision with regard to how you want that money and also in terms of uh, 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 just inform the financial institution. Now, when you file your tax report, do you uh, you, uh, have to put down that you withdrew it or close the account? Uh, No. Uh, I'm not a tax expert. So oh, okay. you have to talk to a, to a tax person to say, hey, where on the tax form do I note uh, Roth IRAs? Oh, uh, okay. Okay. All right. Thank you very right. much. So it's, it's, it's up to you to make a decision on how you want the financial institution to distribute right. the money to you. Okay. Oh, okay. Most of them will, most of them will go uh, mutual funds will distribute it monthly or quarterly or... Uh, lump sum, depending upon what you determine, your okay. decision. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Have a good day now. Take care. This is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, stay tuned. I'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. One of the things I mentioned before was that uh, there was a lot of activity in the uh, existing home sales. And according to the National Association of Realtors, existing home sales uh, reversed a slide, a 12-month slide in February, and registered the largest monthly percentage increase since uh, July of 2020. So according to the National Association of Realtors, Existing home sales, which are basically, basically completed transactions as opposed to, you know, uh, acceptance of offers subject to financing and inspection. And that includes uh, completed transactions on single family homes, townhouses, condominiums, and co ops. It increased 14.5% in February from January and to a seasonably adjusted annual rate of uh, 4.5 million uh, houses. Uh, But year over year, sales did fall 22.6%. And uh, Lawrence Young, who is the chief economist for the National Association of Realtors, 
He commented that uh, uh, conscious of uh, changing mortgage rates, home buyers are taking advantage of any rate declines. Moreover, we're seeing stronger sales gains in areas where home prices are decreasing and the local economies are adding jobs. And uh, and uh, that quote unquote and a persistent housing market problem has been the number of homes for sale. You know, for example, uh, total housing inventory registered at the end of February was identical to January and up 15.3 percent from a year ago. And the unsold inventory sits at uh, 2.6 months supply at the current sales pace, and that's uh, uh, down uh, 10 percent from January, but up uh, but up from uh, um, 1.7% in February of last year. So the amount of number of houses for sale is, uh, is pretty tight. And Lawrence Young commented on inventory levels are still at a historic lows. Consequently, multiple offers are returning uh, returning on a good number of properties. So uh, now with the stress in the housing market, home prices are no longer increasing and have reached a plateau and even a little dip. So the median existing home price for all housing types in January was uh, 363,000, a decline of two-tenths of a percent uh, from... February of 2022, as prices climbed in the Midwest and South, yet they uh, lowered in the in the Northeast and the West. And in today's market, uh, homes continue to move. Properties typically remain on the market for 34 days in in February, and that was up uh, from 33 days in January and 18 days in. February of 2022. So basically, 57% of the houses moved in February were on the market for less than a month. And uh, what you're seeing is that the first time home buyers are still out there. They're 27% of the, the sales. And, and uh, basically, uh, uh, home sales are, are picking up. Right now, going into the uh, uh, the home selling season, home buying uh, season, and the north and the Midwest is uh, up there too. So uh, now's the time to look for a home, or if you're thinking about selling one, uh, seriously uh, start looking out there. So this is Jim McAleese. You're listening to Get Rich Slow. Uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Get Rich Slow. In times of trouble, things can get gloomy, but remember, life is good. The clouds will blow away, the sun will shine, the flowers and the trees are growing. And we have a great day to look forward to. Today, when I woke, I suddenly realized that this is the best day of my life. There are times I wondered if I'd make it to today, and I'm going to celebrate. 
the accomplishments, the blessings, and my very good luck and fortune. Yes, even the hardships, because what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. I will marvel at the simple gifts, the morning dew, the sunrise, the clouds, the old and wise trees, the flowers, the birds, and even the weeds in my garden. I will share my excitement with others. I will make someone smile. I will go out of my way to perform a random act of kindness for someone, someone I don't even know. I'll give a sincere compliment to somebody who's down. I'll tell a friend how special they are and tell someone I love how deeply I care for them. Today is the day you should quit worrying about what you do not have and start being grateful for what you do have. And tonight, before you go to bed, sneak outside and gaze at the stars. Maybe even take your children or your spouse because it is better when great amazing things are shared. And tonight, you sleep the sleep of a contented child because you'll know tomorrow is going to be the best day of your life. Remember, a little attitude can be a great influence in your life. So until we meet again next week for more of Get Rich Flow, may God protect you and keep you safe. You have been listening to Get Rich Slow with host Jim McAleese. For an outline and registration form regarding the Money School series, call 440-647-2793. For a complete list of books written by Tama McAleese, call 440-647-2793. Or to make an appointment with Jim regarding your own personal financial issues, call 440-647-2793. Jim will be back with Get Rich Slow next Saturday morning on 1420 WHK with more common sense finance strategies for financial winners. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Next Financial Group, Inc., a member of FINRA and SIPC. Cornerstones Consultant, Inc. is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.